Welcome to the ProcureTech Podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity if we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function. You definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, a very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech podcast. We are the official podcast of procurementsoftware.site, where you can search and filter over 400 procurement technology solutions completely free of charge. You can't do that anywhere else. But without any further ado, I'd like to introduce today's guest on the show, and it's actually his second time on the ProcureTech podcast, Edmund Edmund Zagorin, uh, founder and chief strategy officer of Orchestro. Very warm welcome back. Hey, thanks, James. Great to be here. And we're going to be talking today a little bit about predictive models in different areas of procurement and supply chain. But before we do, I was looking back and the last episode we did together was over three years ago, back in September 2020. And in fact, yours was the very last episode of our first series. So uh, so time flies and a lot's happened since then over here at the ProcureTech podcast. We've launched procurementsoftware.site since then to help procurement pros and tech startups to understand the procurement technology uh, landscape. And we've also got a proper podcast studio now rather than my kitchen table. But it looks like you've been even busier. So I'd like to touch on a couple of things, really, just to set the scene first before we dig in to the topic of predictive models. You rebranded from what was known as BidOps uh, to Orchestro back in April 2022. So just walk us through the driver behind that and why you did it. Yeah, well, James, it's uh, thinking back to September 2020 is definitely, you know, it's uh, feel, feels like much longer uh, than, than, even just, uh, than even just three years. But I think that you know, so back in September 2020, uh, we were called BitOps. And BitOps began with a uh, vision to make e-sourcing, uh, especially in for procurement teams that deal with a lot of direct materials, MRO, logistics, essentially categories where you have a tremendous number of line items and uh, you're doing a Many to many matching problem to figure out which uh, assortment and allocation should go to which supplier to make that process very simple and easy. And uh, the way that BitOps did that was with a predictive model that proposed the desired outcome to your counterparty at the outset, thus reducing the amount of time that they would have to uh, spend, you know, filling it out, but also leveraging uh, game theory. Uh, in anchoring expectations around uh, what the desired commercial and not just commercial, but operational out was not just price, but ranging from lead time to minimum order quantity and 
the various other attributes that, that uh, encapsulate a supplier offer. What happened was two things that were kind of uh, interesting learnings. One is we had customers, uh, especially in the automotive industry, who uh, said, you know, we have uh, different categories of procurement, not from a kind of supply management standpoint, but from a business process standpoint. Uh, A spend is strategic, B spend is tactical, C spend is tail. And they said, we are really interested in what you can do for tactical buying. Is it possible to Mm. propose, you know, an offer to a supplier during a uh, purchasing cycle for a large piece of capital equipment or even, you know, a spot rate for uh, trucking or uh, ocean freight? Or, you know, something that is highly engineered and needs to go through a procurement process might actually be quite expensive, wouldn't qualify as tail spend, but is, you know, extremely bespoke. And it turned out that this process of simulating the process before it begins, proposing desirable outcomes to uh, both parties simultaneously and reduce, reducing the back and forth associated with the procurement activity, as well as, by the way, eliminating the, the step where you have to analyze and benchmark the quote, that that worked very well for purchasing and for spot buys. Um, and this is this entire category of activities that we felt were not encapsulated correctly by the word bid. And so we talked to our customers. We, we have uh, advisory councils um, that we do regularly with uh, chief procurement officers, chief supply chain officers. And we really focus on large enterprises that do physical manufacturing, especially automotive, chemical, and CPG. So we brought this group of people together and we said, what do you think the value of Orchestro is? And they said, well, we love having some clarity in what we're going to pay in our costs before doing these uh, engaging with suppliers. Uh, we really like that. So that's the predictive. Orchestro helps us take the friction out of procurement. So procurement. And then really bringing data from disparate sources together to create real-time understanding around uh, not just desirable outcomes, but also processes in flight. And so that's the orchestration component. And so once we'd aligned on that, we said, okay, well, we should change the company's name uh, to something that reflects that intention and purpose. And orchestro is a, is a word that means uh, orchestra. Um, and so it points towards that. That sort of leads me on actually to the next thing that I was going to ask you, because on, on your website and in some guest articles that you've authored, you use the term predictive procurement orchestration quite a lot. Explain that maybe to a listener in in plain English. If it, talk to me like I'm a primary school kid. What does that actually mean in real terms? Yeah, so you know, just to kind of break it down, predictive. Uh, you know, it's it's looking ahead. It's seeing around corners. It's understanding the uh, possible outcomes before you begin a process, a procurement activity, and then. Uh, being able to reverse engineer the optimal outcome out of all of the possible ones. 
And procurement is procurement, right? So there's a number of activities from category management to strategic sourcing to spot buying that procurement does. Uh, Orchestra uh, supports all of those using predictive models. And then orchestration, we felt that in the market, there's a lot of data and analytics solutions that show you dashboards or give you data feeds. There's a lot of software that kind of helps you uh, manipulate or maneuver a process or, or manage a project. And Orchestro introduced uh, really a new uh, technology which embeds these predictive models and real-time recommendations into a process. We actually execute that process and our, our, our method of doing that is actually a DocuSign-like user flow. So it lives in your inbox, it lives in your supplier's inbox. It's very simple and easy to use. It frequently does not involve logging into an application. There's no profile creation and, and, and so on. And so the orchestration really reflects that uh, as opposed to a dashboard or a data feed or a data set, uh, this is actually a technology that can help you execute all, uh, uh, procurement activity. And that kind of makes sense if you're moving away from what you previously were in in your iteration as BidOps being more of a strategic planned sourcing events platform, moving more into, as you as you put it, the the spot buy that doesn't perhaps fall within the tail category of purchasing it through a catalog, but but is essentially one time spend. I mean, I know having come from the the FMCG and the automotive industries that. You get a lot of that, right? I mean, that's uh, those sort of things come across your inbox pretty much every week, especially if you're buying, if you're but if you're buying capex or if you're doing sort of project based procurement. So, yeah, that that definitely that definitely sort of fits in nicely with with what the average procurement person in that space is typically going to come across. Well, and James, just to, just to be clear. I would say we've expanded the aperture of how we apply predictive models. I wouldn't say we've moved away from strategic sourcing. We still have a lot of customers and a lot of category managers and really procurement teams that gain insight into individual strategic sourcing projects as well as their strategic sourcing pipeline using Orchestrum. I think the major uh, expansion, though, is as you said, getting into as well an embedded workflow with that buying activity. And that kind of goes into the the final thing I'll, I'll just quickly mention is that if you do that, it's really powerful to be embedded inside of the ERP or procure to pay or demand planning system. So if you have visibility into the queue of activities that are coming down the pipe, of course, we can take, you know, an email or an input and pull that in uh, to begin uh, working with that, as I mentioned, with our uh, magic link kind of in email workflow. But if your team uses a centralized system already to, you know, track uh, upcoming, you know, contract renewals or just other projects that you have on your, on your docket, um, then predictive models can be really powerful in in translating and converting those into uh, into wins. 
Yeah, you, you spoke a little bit about uh, about this in, in 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 your last answer, but you integrate now with some of the big what I what I typically refer to as legacy procure to pay and and source to contract suites. How important is that to your growth journey and ongoing evolution as a platform? You know, as you go beyond predictive sourcing events and incorporating what you can offer into a much wider spectrum of how you can aid and assist the procurement category manager on uh, in in their daily role. How important is that integration capability from a both from a sales process and from a user adoption process? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think our assumption um, going to market and and meeting with uh, a huge number of executives across industry was that. Um, it would be hugely important. And so we have a very robust integration capability and we integrate with SAP, Oracle, Ariba, Coupa, uh, Zykus, Jagger, GP, you, you name it. Uh, and we frequently are also integrating with, um, customers, uh, data and analytics, uh, horizontal tools like ClickSense or Power BI as well. But what I'll, I'll say is that, uh, we've actually found because we're focused on large manufacturing enterprises that are typically buying, uh, you know, physical items for their supply chain as, as part of a very rigorous process where it's not just cost, but lead time and quality and, and, and these other factors, uh, that, that, that matter tremendously. So much of this is being done over the phone today. And so much of this is being done just through email and just on Excel. And so, you know, our kind of first and foremost is to say, well, what's your adoption of these systems that you want us to integrate with? We're happy to do it and we can do it relatively quickly and with a high degree of performance. But we also uh, are always mindful that if there is buying activity in the organization that's occurring outside of a system today, it's actually a helpful heuristic to say, let's meet people where they are. If people are working in email, Let's meet people there because our experience is that the customers that have really great success with Orchestro, one of the reasons for it is such a low change management. Again, once you ask people to log into an application and create a profile and uh, then learn how to use it, you know, you, you will experience some drop off for kind of the larger group. And by the way, uh, just to be clear, you can log into Orchestro. Like you can create a profile. You can make projects. If you love apps and you want to be a power user, we have that experience. But our learning has really been meet people where they are in, in the tools and systems they're already using. And for our customers, for large manufacturing enterprises today, for spot buys and even some, some sourcing, that's email and spreadsheets. Yeah, 100%. And that sort of echoes, I was at a conference in Germany in, in June, and a lot of the conversations I was having with practitioners, but also solution providers were, were sort of speaking to that, that they were developing their version of chat GPT to sit inside Microsoft Teams or in a, in a user friendly front end that could help with the whole 
uh, intake process when someone wants to buy something. So yeah, I, I get where you're coming from there. I wanted to touch on, you mentioned that most of your cl- uh, your customers are typically large enterprise manufacturing businesses. And, you know, I come from that space initially as a, as a practitioner too. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with, with this environment. And one thing that, the, the, that I took out of that experience working in that, in those verticals in corporate was these are pretty old school industries, right? And they're pretty resistant to change in a lot of cases. So are you finding that most of your customers are using Orchestro alongside existing legacy tech, you know, be it a source to pay suite or, a, or an e-sourcing platform or, or even just a, a more user-friendly front end to an ERP? Or, or do you also find that you're, you're selling into organizations that are, that are pretty greenfield, like you say, and, and, and running most of their, their, their sourcing operations through email and Excel? You know, I think, um, you know, and, and you can, uh, you can see some of our customers on our, on our website. You know, I'd point to, you know, companies like, uh, Bell Brands, companies like, you know, Holman Auto Truck, BASF, you know, these are large global enterprises. And, you know, there's, there's a significant number, you know, Coke Industries, for, for example, they may have invested significantly to mature the functional motion of their supply chain, of which procurement is a part as part of a larger business function around margin expansion. And that investment typically comes, you know, people process technology associated with, you know, modifying or customizing their ERP system, creating uh, bespoke process flows for certain categories, implementing category strategies in areas that are going to have outsized impact. And... You know, typically what, what we've see, seen is that if you, if you kind of do an 80 20 on where the biggest bang for your buck is, a lot of these groups started with demand planning, demand forecasting, and then, you know, kind of up leveling their SNOP processes with, you know, market data. And if you look at the layer around communicating and managing, uh, discussions with suppliers, even if you have a system like an Ariba or a Coupa, or, or you have, um, you know, a highly adopted e-sourcing solution in areas where there is significant complexity because, uh, it's one off. You've never bought it before, or there's a lot of line items and that takes forever for the supplier to create a quote, or it's very fast moving, or it's in a constrained market, or there just aren't very many suppliers. Like there are all of these reasons why kind of existing systems aren't able to capture the variance in uh, procurement activities that these groups are doing. And so uh, as a result, I think category managers have been trained almost to say, oh, you know, our category is very unique. Our industry is very unique. Our company does things differently. We have a different culture. We don't, you know, our supplier relationships are so important. We can't let technology come between them. And then, you know, what Orchestra says is, look, you're already communicating through email. You're picking up a phone, piece of technology to manage your communication, but it's challenging to set targets, manage attainment against those targets, and ultimately reduce the amount of keystrokes on both sides of the table 
that people have to do to get to get a deal done. And let me tell you, suppliers don't love the infinite scroll Excel spreadsheet. They don't. You know, it takes a ton of time. And it's not, it's it's unimaginable from my perspective to think that 10 years from now, that's going to be how this work gets done because no one likes it. And a lot of the people that insist on it are retiring. And so the question I think for all of us, not, you know, from a predictive procurement orchestration standpoint, but just holistically as a profession of procurement and supply chain people, what's next? You know, what's going to come in and help us uh, do better business from a process standpoint with, you know, with our, our trusted supplier partners and with suppliers that maybe we have less of a relationship with. And, you know, we just really need to understand they have it in stock and what's the lead time and, and what's the price. And, it, you know, if those are a match, then, then we, then we want to execute and move on. And I think that, um, what I would say is regardless of the overall technological maturity of the organization, we do work with some companies who are very mature for various reasons. The process that Orchestra typically intermediates is an email and spreadsheets process. And, you know, the dirty little secret is that in manufacturing where people have those relationships and they care about time, the number one way today in the world of collecting pricing is over the phone. Yeah, there's a couple of things that you touched on there that, that I'd just like to dig into. I mean, I think from, from what you said about supply, um, suppliers not, not liking the infinite scroll Excel spreadsheets, I mean, I can absolutely guarantee they don't like using a lot of these legacy e-sourcing tools either because they're, they're so clunky, they're difficult to register. Uh, you know, one of the more famous ones, I was constantly battling as a practitioner, having to get on the phone with a supplier and walk them through how to register. You know, millennials and you know, increasingly Gen Z, they're not going to put up with that, are they? They're going to look at that and shake their heads if they've grown up using Airbnb and Uber and Tinder and all of these types of B2C apps that you have on your smartphone. So, yeah, I mean, you speak you speak to a lot of very pertinent points there that the old guard is over time going to retire and the new talent that's coming in, if you want to retain them and, and hire A players, you've got to give them some user-friendly tech, whether it's on the supplier side or on the buyer side. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, most procurement leaders are not going to implement a technology that alienates their suppliers. And, you know, suppliers in certain markets have a significant amount of power. And, you know, our fundamental paradigm is if we give suppliers a one-click procurement process, a process where a supplier can look at it and go, yep, sounds good, let's go then there's value that's created in that efficiency that can be shared by both sides. And that's a true win-win out. By the way, we didn't come up with this, right? Procurement teams have been doing this for years. I'll give you a faster process in exchange for some value. And I think that when you have a good relationship, that's an incredible, uh, incredibly powerful thing to do. And I think what it does to some extent is it overturns the model that has existed for a long time of, um, hey, supplier, we're going to withhold our commitment to extract economic concessions from you. And we're going to call that strategic, right? That's not strategic, right? Hitting a supplier over the head and asking for what you want, especially if it takes a long time to 
for that motion to consummate is leaving all the, all that same value on the table elsewhere because it forces procurement to pick and choose its opportunities rather than executing simultaneously and in parallel on all of them. And that's, by the way, one of the major advantages to the hyper-efficiency gains that you get when you implement something like a predictive procurement orchestration layer. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, we, we, you touched on the supplier piece, but it's also if a category manager's effective hourly rate is, is greater than the amount of time they spend on, an, on administrative stuff dealing with emails and spreadsheets. And that's another aspect that doesn't really get talked about. But if you're going to squeeze the most out of your procurement organization, and you know, you know as well as I do, when was the last procurement director that you spoke to that said, hey, we've got plenty of resource, no problem. It just doesn't happen, does it? It's- oh, yeah, right. Absolutely, yeah. And, and procurement, by the way, is being asked to do more jobs too. You know, it's not just managing risk and ensuring supply continuity, but uh, there's all kinds of strategic projects procurement's getting involved in um, that, you know, are impacting supplier selection, whether it's uh, diversity and inclusion or ESG or, you know, large goals that public companies have stated to their investors and shareholders and that cannot be accomplished without, without procurement's, you know, kind of core involvement. And so I think that's, you know, an hour of procurement time is so valuable in 2023. Um, I think it's, it's our, our choice how we use it. And I would submit that, that pivot tables, while in some cases necessary, are not the best use of procurement's time. So. I would wholeheartedly concur with you. Edmund, you're a busy guy, so I appreciate that we need to wrap this up and you've got a hard stop. So last question, if anyone would like to learn a little bit more about what you're doing over at Orchestro, then where's the best place that we should send them? So we're uh, on the web at www.orchestro.com. We also, uh, we post fairly frequently on LinkedIn. Uh, You can come to our LinkedIn page. We uh, highlight case studies, best practices. We have interviews with uh, cool people in the procurement world. Maybe not as cool as James Mead, but uh, uh, some, you know, some, some cool folks. <laughs> You're a gentleman, sir. Cool folks, nonetheless. <laughs> and um, you can meet our team, figure out uh, you know, who uh, makes uh, some of the predictive models that we use and, and, and how we do it. And we're just all really excited about the future of procurement. We're passionate procurement practitioners. We we all did this job before we started Orchestro, and um, and we just love uh, we love the community that exists in uh, procurement and supply chain practitioners. And we'll link to the website and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes if anyone wants to take a look. Edmund, thanks again. Great to catch up. Hopefully, it won't be three years next time we speak. And uh, wishing you all the best. So that wraps up another episode of the ProcureTech podcast. Thanks again to Edmund talking about procurement and process, uh, what's it, predictive procurement orchestration. I couldn't even pronounce it myself. Uh, we'll be back again same time next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you listen on iOS. Until then, take care and bye for now.